keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Leading Conversations today. This is Cheryl Esposito, and today we are very honored to have with us guest Jeffrey Glassman, who is the founder of Rainforest Maker, a nonprofit organization which is dedicated to saving and growing back the Earth's rainforest one tree at a time. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Cheryl. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for being here today. Um, are you in Boston this morning? I am in Boston. I'm in my office right now. Oh, great. Is it sunny? Is it rainy? What's it like in Boston well, it's today? It's a little overcast with a little rain, but uh-huh. well, you the great thing about the weather is you know it's going to change. <laughs> like everything else in life, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, you should be in San Francisco. It's a beautiful, sunny day in the city of San Francisco by the bay. and We're enjoying uh, late spring, just moving into summer. You know, I can't wait for the warm weather. Beautiful. Yeah. So, speaking of weather in rainforest and how the rainforest influences our world, I really want to get in today into um, looking at what got you interested in rainforest. And um, but to begin with, tell me a little bit about um, you know your life. I mean, you grew up, became then became a lawyer, and then became a rainforest maker. So. Somewhere in your childhood, my guess is, you became interested in nature or connected in some way to nature. Where did you grow up? Well, that's right. I grew up in Needham, Cheryl, uh, Massachusetts. It's a suburb about 20 minutes outside of Boston. And Uh how I got from rainmaker to rainforest maker uh, certainly was not a straight line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess my, my first connection nature, or I should say my first conscious connection to nature is when my mother had given me a book called The Giving Tree by Mm -hmm. Shel Silverstein, and I know it's a famous book, and I remember reading this book over and over again. It really was uh, an amazing book, and I just remember developing a huge compassion for the tree Mm -hmm. featured in the book. Well, what was the book about? It was really, for me, the book was about how a little boy can connect with nature and commune with nature. Oh, really? Yeah. And so did you spend a lot of time outside? Well, you know, not as much as I would like. I more just kind of fell in love with the book. Oh, interesting. And it never really, I never really took that step further and going out there and communing with nature itself. I mean, I did to some extent, uh, certainly not to the extent I have now, uh, but that, would I, I would say, is my, was my first stepping stone uh-huh. in, into nature. Oh, wow. Very yeah. interesting. I mean, there were other things along the way. I do remember uh, the story of Johnny Appleseed, another great story. And I just remember <laughs> Johnny Appleseed had one of the coolest jobs around. Wow. So, I knew it was more of an adventure for him. More of an adventure. And it was a job, so I thought that would be a cool thing to do when well, I grew it, up. Isn't it interesting how things that you, you, know, you don't even know what's going to influence you as an adult in your childhood, 
And um, I just I keep seeing again and again as I as I interview guests that um, something got sparked when they were young, and someone whether it was you know five years old or whether they were thirteen years old, um, someone said something or introduced them to something that had impact. And you know part of the learning for me around all of this is that we really are shaping individuals' futures. And we talk about that lightly sometimes, you know, in terms of how we influence kids, but we really are shaping individuals' futures. And so you grew up kind of thinking trees were cool and then became an attorney. Now how'd that happen? Well, that was uh <laughs> that's a, that's another story. I you know, was at Syracuse University in the finance department and, you know, had plans of going to Wall Street one day since I majored in finance. However, by the time at the end of my graduation, I knew the education I had wasn't really going to get me to where I wanted to be in 10 years. So mm. I thought the best thing for me to do was to stay in school, specifically law school, and I knew law school would teach me how to think. Hmm. And so and why, why would that be important? And how did you know even in that, at that age, that learning to think may have been more important than learning content? Well, it seemed to me that learning how to get to the bottom of a, you know, the end result, mm -hmm. getting to an issue, uh, getting to the heart of an issue, mm -hmm. was really um, took on a lot more importance than other things. Mm -hmm. So, have, you know, having the analysis skills of getting through a certain problem and then finding a solution to it seemed like a good, good schooling to have. So. Yeah. I never really anticipated on being a lawyer, and I just kind of uh, wanted to get the education for it. Oh, interesting. And so um, in the last few years, as you have, how long have you been a lawyer? How long I've been, been a lawyer this? now, Cheryl, for over 15 years. Okay. So during that time, I, I just guess that you have worked really hard. And um, what I know about you is that you like to vacation um, almost as hard as you play, right? You know, That's so you right. want to take really intense vacations. That's and right. And you've done some pretty interesting things. Um, what are some of the things you've done? I know you've done some exploring of um, kind of the wild coastlines and you know exotic places. Climb? You've climbed mountains? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I've uh, one of my favorite vacations was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And that was a great experience. It took me about four and a half days to get up the mountain wow. and about a day and a half to get down the mountain. And the great wow. thing about climbing Kilimanjaro is that you go through, I think it's five different climate zones. So it starts off as a rainforest. Oh, and wow. when you get to the top, it's glacier, uh -huh. a big glacier uh -huh. um, at the top, and I remember Cheryl reading about Mount Kilimanjaro and how the glaciers are disappearing, and that screen kept on coming back to me in my mind, and I kept hearing about how the glaciers were going to be disappeared mm -hmm. in about 20 years. So I thought this is something I really want to do, and I want to see these glaciers mm -hmm. before they're gone. Mm -hmm. It's almost hard to imagine that they've been there for as many years as they have and that they're going to be gone in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing, isn't it? And when was that that you were there? I climbed that in December of 2003. 2003. So at that point, you were really aware of kind of the Earth 
out of balance and um, having the desire to experience things before they went away. When did you get to a place where you thought, well, not only do I want to experience all of these elements before they go away, but I want to do something about it? Well, you know, as a combination, I think the first chord that really struck in me, Cheryl, was actually going back to when I was around 19 or 20. I had seen a movie that impacted me like nothing else ever had. Uh, it was called The Emerald Forest. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the movie, but the the images were so powerful and the underlying story was so powerful that it really affected me. I mean, to see... Uh, indigenous, you know, indigenous Indians being uprooted from their land. Huh. And um, where was this? Where and was this, the this took place in the Amazon. Okay. Yeah, and, it's, and it was based on a true story. Uh-huh. So that I had seen that movie, just like the Giving Tree, over and uh-huh. over again, and those images really stuck in me. So, and it's funny that all these these stories that I'm, I'm sharing with you mm-hmm. regarding the Giving Tree book and seeing the Emerald Forest. I mean, none of these these are all through mediums and right. not actually having a direct connection to nature itself. So my first real direct connection to nature happened through another medium, actually, mm-hmm. through John Milton's tapes, um, Sky Above, Earth Below. Oh, yeah. And so John has been a guest on our show. That's right. You, um tell tell our listeners a little bit about who John is? Well, John Milton is... <laughs> I, I think that would be a five-hour show, <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> Uh, yeah, John is just an amazing person with incredible compassion for nature, mm-hmm. and he really walks the walk. I mean, this is this is a man who really lives by what he says, mm-hmm. and he is a leader in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. So when I listened to his tapes about nature, and not just about nature, but connecting to nature, it really was an eye-opening experience for me. And as soon as I listened, I just knew I was in the right place. I just knew that what he was saying made just complete sense to me. And I wanted to explore more. So I contacted John and learned about how he would take people out into nature. I mean, the tapes that I was listening to, for me, were really more of a technique to just relax and meditate in nature oh. and never realize that someone would be crazy enough to go out into nature <laughs> by themselves for seven days or, or longer and actually connect to nature. So that really fascinated me and I felt like I was going to take the plunge and I went ahead and did it. Oh, wow. Now, so why were you interested in meditation at that time? Well, I was interested in meditation because running my law practice from Boston is, you know, it, it carries on its own stresses. Mm-hmm. So I knew I needed to use some sort of technique that was going to, some tool that would help me relax. Oh, wow. And, you know, just, just calm down. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I started. When I saw John's tapes, you know, right when I saw them, I just knew immediately that these are the ones for me without even listening to them. Oh, interesting. So it was more of an intuitive thing. Completely. Yeah, and John's tapes, by the way, are called Sky Above, Earth Below, and you know people can order them through um, Amazon um, by John Milton. And um, I know those tapes, and uh, what I know about them is that it's not your typical meditation um, tapes where you know it tells you to sit quietly and just listen and let your 
thoughts flow away. John really shares the stories of um, what happens when you sit quietly and let your thoughts flow away and you are in nature. And he shares some amazing stories, um, really fascinating stories. And one of the things that um, I know you decided to do, as you said, you decided to, to take the leap and jump into doing a what's called a solo, and um, you you did decide to go spend some time by yourself in nature. And after we come back from this break, I'm going to ask you to talk, tell us about that. Sounds we'll be right there. back. From the stock market floor to your computer, you're listening to Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success over and over again, and wealth result when you reap regularly reap what you sow with alana daily broadcast each thursday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the voice america business channel reap what you sow learn the rules of the game then play better than anyone else tune in every tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time for the growth strategist with aldana ambler on the show aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you the business owner back Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. 401s, stock, mortgage, retirement, wealth. We cover it all. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're speaking today with Jeffrey Glass, I'm the founder of Rainforest Maker. Jeff, before we went to break, you were talking about your love of nature as a kid and the things that influenced you the most. And you talked about, um, as an adult, how the stress of the life of an attorney um, focused you toward learning how to relax and that the uh, meditation tapes of John Milton actually helped you to understand that going out in nature would be um, pretty helpful for you. And you decided... Um, to do one of the things that John um, offers, which is a sacred passage is what it's called, and actually teaching you how to go out and spend time alone in nature. 
And um, so talk to me about that, about, you know, why would you decide to do that even though camping wasn't your deal? (laughs) Camping was definitely not my deal, Cheryl. And I remember having to go to many different camping stores to get (laughs) the various equipment that was necessary to go on the solo. And I remember getting a lot extra equipment as well. So I definitely overpacked my first time. I would say that. The people in my group like to refer to my tent as the Camp Hilton. <laughs> Camp Hilton? Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, a man after my own heart. Um, <laughs> I like that, too. Um, so, what, well, so tell me about it. Yeah, well, you know, when I went out the first time, I really thought that it was going to be a relaxing time. I figured seven days on a beach in Baja, Mexico, what could be wrong with that? Wow. So I figured it would be just a great, beautiful, sunny, you know, week. Uh-huh. What ended up happening was something completely different for me. And I went out there and for the first time and was in my tent, enjoying the ocean, listening to the sounds. That all lasted about five, maybe ten minutes or so. <laughs> Before well, the thoughts some, started flooding into my head. Let's, let's set some context here. When you say Baja, you're not talking about Cabo San Lucas, which is what most people think of when That's they think right. of Baja. That's right. Yeah, no, there were no there were no people partying on this beach. Ah, so this is kind of deserted. This was an isolated beach, uh-huh. and essentially the goal of the solo was to have no human contact whatsoever. So this would be something I was completely alone uh-huh. and not to be disturbed by anybody coming onto my site. Oh, wow. And so you, but you had a few days before that, right, where you were with John that's, and the group. That's right. And, and they kind of, you and all John kind great, of got instruction. And, that's right. Yeah. John gave great teachings mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. how to go ahead and be in nature. Mm-hmm. The challenge for me was being able to take his, teachings and implement them for the first time in nature. So I was having a difficult time really with the reason why I had gone out there to begin with was to relax. And that was a big challenge for me <laughs> because I had never learned how to relax. Oh, wow. So, so you're a doer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm type A. Uh-huh. Type triple A? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, part of that is what makes you successful, which I think is a real challenge in our um, culture because um, we are such a go-for-it culture and we do reward people who run fast and run hard. And, um, you know, so when you say, I want to relax, that's so counterintuitive to your success model for yourself. That's right. And the great thing about being an achiever, you know, it's, it's great in one sense, but it has its drawbacks. And you have to pay attention to those because everything has its balance. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pay attention to that, then you're going to get yourself into some pretty serious problems. Mm-hmm. So I was coming in tune with that, and I think that was the first step for me, is realizing that I did need to work on being more relaxed, mm-hmm. which is what brought me uh, to John's teachings to begin with. Oh, Implementing those teachings out on the coast of Baja was a completely separate story. In fact, we were supposed to be there, Cheryl, for seven days. That uh-huh. was that was the game plan. Uh-huh. 
and it didn't really go according to plan for me. Oh, yeah? What ended up happening was after about two days or so, I really couldn't take the numerous thoughts that kept flooding into my mind. It just went going from one thought to the next to the next. So after two days, I really couldn't take it much more. What kind of thoughts were these? Well, these were thoughts about everything. I mean, yeah. you name it. <laughs> Any thought that could possibly be had was coming into my brain, it seemed. <laughs> these were thoughts about business, personal life, you name it. It was it was just all coming in. And then, what am I doing wrong? How can I, you know, relax more? Gee, <laughs> why do you pay attention to that beautiful bird flying across the sky instead of thinking about a certain case back at the office? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, any sort of thought. Uh, you can imagine was coming through. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, i got to get out of here. I can't, <laughs> I can't stay on this beach anymore. <laughs> so I actually packed up all my stuff and put it into a uh, cactus bush. A cactus bush. Yeah, a cactus bush. Uh-huh. I hid it in a cactus bush just in case anyone happened to come across it because it was a lot of camping gear I just, uh, <laughs> I just bought. That's right, Camp Hilton. That's right. <laughs> and I just hit the road. I walked about a mile or so, however long it was, to the main road and hitchhiked. Oh, my God. Uh, probably about an hour and a half, two hours or so back to base camp. Oh, my God. And when I got there, there's John waiting for me with a big smile on his face. <laughs> As if he expected you to be there. He knew I was coming all along, oh Cheryl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, so these thoughts, I mean, were you were you afraid at all? And well, I was. I had never been in nature before, oh, wow. you know, so I think I was just naturally afraid, and I think that's one of the problems just with, with people today is that people do not take the time to go out into nature. Mm-hmm. So when you are disconnected from something then and you don't have a re- relationship with it, then you either have a fear or you're just, disassociated with it. You wow. form an opinion about something you don't even have a connection with. So right, right. I was I was really, uh, yeah, I was uh, fearful with one emotion and there were several others. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to share <laughs> what well, those others were? Well, you know, I, I think I was frustrated with myself because this is something, uh, you know, that I had taken on as a goal for myself oh. and I could not achieve what I had set uh-huh. out to do. So it w- I was very frustrated, and it's like, why can't I relax on this beautiful sunny beach? Most oh, people wow. would be really, uh, you know, would love to be on this beach right now. So, you know, so it was an eye-opening experience. Right. Now, the great thing about this um, the sacred passage is that you have the option to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were brave enough to try another well, one? Well, you know, next year I, I decided I had to go back and give it a try. Mm-hmm. And I went back to the same exact beach, to the same exact spot, and I gave myself a goal this time. And I said to myself, if I can just make it two days on the beach, and I kind of cleared this with John before I went out, John, I think I'm only going to make it two days. Uh, My goal is just to spend two days on the beach and not go crazy, Mm -hmm. not go insane. Uh So I did that, and I made it through for two days. When I was finished with the two days... I figured to myself, I could probably make it two more. So I made it through those two more days. Wow. And, of course, when you're close to seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel, Uh you really want to go for it, and that's what I did. So I made it through the rest of the the 
time out there. And oh, okay. It was a great experience. Now, now, what do you think was different for you? I think the difference for me was I set. I did not have any expectations. I set my goal. Mm-hmm made a very realistic goal of only going out there for two days. So I didn't give myself something that I didn't think I could handle. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the first time when I went out there is I just expected that I was going to go through this and it was all going to be rosy with having no experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So having that first experience really gave me a foundation to be able to achieve going out there a year right. later and only right. spending two days. Right. Now, that's interesting. So, in some ways, uh, the first time, um, a lot of your success model, which is set a goal, you know, work hard, make it happen, um, which is a lot about doing, you know, the first time you got out there, you're supposed to just be, and you were doing, you were, you know, trying to do the solo instead of be in the solo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How fascinating. And so the second time, um, it's almost as if you um, didn't put so much pressure on yourself. You said, okay, so I know I, lo- I know I survived two days, so I know I have capacity for that. And this time I'll, you know, I'll give myself permission to just do two days because I already know that I can survive two days. And, um, but then I think probably the achiever in you kind of kicked in a little bit, saying, well, gosh, if I did two... I made it. I'm still alive. Maybe I can do three. So in some ways, that doer supported you in getting through the time. Now, would you say that by the end of the seven days, you were more in a state of being than doing? I was definitely more in a state of being. I was I was really satisfied, and I will confess now. And if John hears this conversation, <laughs> then this yes. will come out at this point. Oh, true confession. <laughs> I, I believe it was on the fourth or fifth day. I saw this beautiful hill that was in the back of my camp. Uh-huh. I said to myself, boy, I'd love to climb that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I know one of the rules to going on the sacred passage is this is not really an adventure trek. This is something you're supposed to be staying within a confined area. Right. But I just could not resist climbing this hill. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you want to call it a hill or a mountain, but yeah. I had to climb it. Yeah, so yeah. I started off and... I made it close to the top of it when I started seeing all the mountain lion prints. Oh, boy. So I figured (laughs) it was probably a good time for me to get back to my tent. (laughs) Get back to your tent where you would be so protected. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just, and that really is, you know, coming face-to-face with nature. I mean, you, you know, are in touch enough to pay attention to even notice those prints those paw prints, and so you go back to the beach where your tent is, and um, you are, now are you afraid? Are you? Well, I was, I wasn't afraid when I got back to my tent, but when uh-huh. I saw those prints, they looked pretty fresh to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, I felt, pre- I felt pretty good, though. Oh, I felt pretty good, because I had set out to what I wanted to accomplish, and made it back safe and sound, and was able to implement more and more of the teachings knowing that I had a good foundation. Great. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market. With Doug Cleggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking with Jeffrey Glassman today, the founder of Rainforest Maker, a nonprofit organization dedicated to saving and growing back the Earth's rainforest. Jeff, you were talking about how you've been influenced by nature and have spent some time in solo, all by yourself, out in nature with some really fun experiences. But how did that influence you when you went back to, you know, we sometimes call it the real world, maybe it's the unreal world if nature is actually the real world. You went back to work, you know, back to your daily routine. How did having been out there influence you? Well, when I made it back to my apartment, I, you know, I live in the city itself of Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I made it back to my condo, and I'm looking out the window, and all I could see were buildings. Mm-hmm. And I became physically ill. Really? So for approximately two weeks. It looked really just dreary outside. And I knew one thing that was missing in my window was a lot of green. Oh, interesting. So I went out and must have purchased at least 15 plants and trees <laughs> and threw them up in my window because that's all I wanted to see was oh. nature. I did not oh. want to see the city. The city did not look natural to me anymore, oh. even though I had been living in it for most of my life. Hmm. So that was the first order of business for me was to, to get all these plants and trees and put them up uh, in, my, in my apartment. The Good. next thing yeah. I did... What's that? Go ahead. Oh, okay. So one of the things I did uh, after that when I got recovered was started to use some of John's principles, 
uh, in my daily practice in the morning, which was Qigong. He had taught us how to do Qigong mm-hmm. energy work and movement mm-hmm. during our solo time, and I wanted to use that as a daily practice before I went to work. That was mm-hmm. part of the relaxation technique. Mm-hmm. So I started doing Qigong and had been doing it regularly for many, many, many months. One day as I was doing Qigong, it occurred to me, and I know I'm supposed to be relaxing while I'm doing this and just (laughs) focusing, but my type A personality does come back and the thoughts do start flooding in. Uh, So I started thinking about my life and what I wanted to do with it. Uh I enjoyed being a lawyer, and it served me very well. At the same time, I felt like I needed to do something more. So I remember doing this one specific Qigong, Cheryl, and the words rainmaker were in my head on one side of the Qigong, on one side of the movement. And as I went to the other side, all of a sudden the words came to me, rainforest maker. Really? And I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. And it was the most natural thing. I remember it like it's just happened now. It's, It's just absolutely amazing how that came to me and it just seems so right and I didn't really know what that meant other than to interpret it literally yeah like yeah that's what I want to do I want to make rainforests so I wasn't sure how to go about doing something like that but that's what got me started oh interesting and how long ago was that I would say this is probably about two years ago Uh uh-huh and so what do you do with something like that? I mean, you, you, you have that inspiration, and then you say, well, I have to go to work now. Well, that's right. <laughs> you do have to go to work. And, 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 I, and, and so to work I went. <laughs> so I just worked and worked and worked, and then I said, you know what? I need a vacation. So I started searching around for a vacation and nature, and I came across Costa Rica. Mm. So I started researching Costa Rica and came across a website where a company would actually plant trees in the ground for you as an investment. And oh. I'm like, hmm, that sounds like a good idea. In the rainforest. In the, yeah. And well, it, this one, this is more of a tree plantation. So okay. it's not growing back rainforest oh, per se, but this uh-huh. is how, this is the stepping stones that led me uh, okay. to where I am. Okay. So I, I, I went down to Costa Rica on vacation and it seemed more like business because I had decided to actually place an order for trees as an investment with this Uh company. uh And then the great thing is you get to go down and visit your trees. I'm like, wow, this sounds like a real fun investment as well. Great marketing tool, huh? Well, that's right. That's (laughs) right. You get to go out on horseback and and, and see waterfalls. I mean, what other investment does that? You know, it's actually a hands-on one, not just some paper trading (laughs) stock or real estate or something like that. You get to enjoy it. And you get to go and visit your trees anytime you want. So it seems like a, a good thing to do. When I went down there, I could see my trees. I also saw the rainforest. I saw beaches. I mean, it was just beautiful nature. One of the things that really stuck out to me, and it was more when I was flying overhead than it was when I was on the ground, were huge tracts of land that had been completely cleared for farming purposes. Mm-hmm. And it was just absolutely amazing to see because you would fly over an area that was scoured with beautiful trees. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing, you're flying over an area that had been completely deforested. And it's like, wow, how could that be? So So it it wasn't just just for the logging, 
which is, you know, historically well, that, exactly. what, what the rainforest has been chopped down for. But there was there was actually um, farming going in instead of trees being replanted. Well, that's just it. And a lot of people think that the rainforest being chopped down just has to do with the trees themselves, but a lot of it's being cleared for cattle, and a lot of it's being cleared for farming. So hmm. I saw this, and I just could not believe that this was being allowed to happen. Hmm. And this is Costa Rica. This is a country that is environmentally friendly. They've yeah. got great laws in place yeah. to stop this from happening, right. yet there it was. It was right. down there. And the development down there with houses going up and you see roads being cut, all these, all this brown dirt uh, being thrown into the rivers and then the rivers are turning uh, muddy. And it was really sad. You know, it's beautiful at one point, but it's sad another when you're down there and, and seeing this. So I just knew I had to do something more. So th- that was another seed that was planted in me to get this rainforest maker project going. So what I decided to do was purchase a piece of land and plant trees as an investment for myself. So even though I had some with this company, I wanted to buy a piece of land and be more connected to the area down there. So Uh I purchased a piece of land and grew 11,000 trees on it myself. So I did that, and this was only for investment purposes. Now, the... End goal of this investment was to take this money and start building uh, and growing back the rainforest with it. So I figured if I could take some of the profits and grow a rainforest, well, that sounds like a great goal. That's really what I want to be doing. So as I began doing that, I then said to myself, wait a second. If the end goal is really to grow back rainforest, why don't you just grow back rainforest? <laughs> That's great. And that's what led me to Rainforest Maker. Well, now, how do you reconcile that? I mean, I'm sure that there is some pushback because if the lands are being used for farming, you know, well, people need to eat, right? You know? They do need to eat. That's and right. So, and, and so how, you know, what do you do with that? Well, it, it, there is, let's, let's be, I mean, let's call it as it is. Any sort of solution that's going to, take place for the environment has to have an environmental component to it. It has to be feasible. It has to be viable for it to work. And just, you know, philanthropy by itself isn't going to work. Philanthropy is a depleting resource in terms of the funds, not the people behind it because they have good intentions, but the funds themselves, well, where do the funds come from? from, they, They come from profitable businesses. Right. So... Any sort of solution that is going to come has to come uh, with economics being taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, people need to eat. Farms need to uh, be there uh-huh. to support the world population. Right. But there are choices to make here. Oh. And there are lots of different ways we could grow the food that we need and still save the rainforest. Well, that, I think... You know, that's interesting because you don't often hear um, people who are so passionate about saving some part of the environment or doing things differently. You don't often hear that side of it, that, you know, it's got to be a win-win all the way around. And um, very often the people who come from what we call the passion side 
um, say, well, the win-win is, is our way, and um, not looking at how can it be um, maybe a win in a different way than, than they had thought of before. Well, that's right, because what people don't realize is that the rainforest is worth more alive than it is dead. So the, the funny so what thing is... what do you is, mean by the rainforest being alive? Well, the rainforest being alive means intact, the primary rainforest mm-hmm. being, being intact. People, a lot of people don't realize that we get a good chunk of our foods from the rainforest, or they originated there, and cutting it down just as a short-term need isn't going to solve the problem. The funny thing is about all these climate issues, it seems like these problems are so complex, yet the answers are so simple. Mm-hmm. Because nature is nature offers the answers itself. Hmm. And we just have to know how to look for it. Huh? That's right. If nature is a sustainable resource, and if we could choose to work and live within it instead of against it, then we would not be facing the issues we're facing now. Well, and what what's an example of some of the foods that come from the rainforest? Well, there's there's just a huge variety of of nuts and fruits. I mean, there's there's just a whole host of them. Um, mangoes is one of my favorite ones. I <laughs> ate mango this morning <laughs> for breakfast. So yeah, yeah. you know, so I, I I love the different foods. Uh, chocolate. Everyone ah, loves yes. chocolate. Right. I actually have a right. bunch of it uh, that just came from the uh, rainforest itself sitting uh, that just got shipped to me. Interesting. And so there, it sounds like there are ways um, for the rainforest to be intact and to produce food in an economic way that we like. I mean, right? That's right. We don't have to cut it all down okay. at once. If we could learn to live off the rainforest instead of clear-cutting it, mm-hmm. then it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Not only for the people whose uh, land it's growing on, but for everybody. But for everybody. And so, so I guess I'm not sure how. Um, so would would farms let's let's call it a chocolate farm, a cocoa farm, right? You know? Sure, a would cacao it be, tree. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Would it be um, the cacao farm? So would it be um, that within the rainforest? Well, that's right. Well, let me give you an example. Yeah. Uh, for example, we have a project going right now in Costa Rica, and it is an alliance with the University of Austria. Uh-huh. Now, they've been down there for about 15 years doing field study work, their biological tropical station in an area in the southern zone of Costa Rica called La Gamba. Now, La Gamba is a poor region uh, with farmers there, and what we're doing is we're working with farmers negotiating with them to grow back rainforest on part of their land. And what we're teaching them is how to live off the rainforest and develop products from the rainforest. Then what we're doing is giving them a supply chain so they could sell their products back through the supply chain and earn a living. Now, when you have a sustainable resource like the rainforest and you've got and it's self-generating income for the people that live in it, doesn't that make complete sense? It makes complete sense. This is fascinating. We're going to hear more from the rainforest maker right after this break. You're listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk. 
Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Have you ever had a bad day and wish someone could come along and change it at the flip of a switch? Do you dream of living the life of wealth, great relationships, and the perfect job, but don't know where to start? Then tune into The Winner's Attitude with corporate trainers, motivators, authors, and hosts, Jeff and Val G. No difficult strategies or complicated keys. Jeff and Val present a powerful and effective technology to switch your operating system to create the most amazing life. It has been said that winners have simply formed the habit of doing amazing things. Winners know how to activate that switch and so can you the winner's attitude with jeff and val g broadcast each friday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern on the voice america business channel the winner's attitude switch me on from the stock market floor to your computer you're listening to voice america business We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. Jeff Glassman, founder of Rainforest Maker. Jeff, um, so you were educating all of us about the rainforest and how... Foods that grow there naturally can be utilized um, to feed the planet, essentially. And um, and there's been a lot of research going on over the years that um, most of us are probably unaware of. And so you have an alliance. The Rainforest Maker Organization has an alliance with um, an organization that's doing that research. That's right. Well, we have an alliance with the University of Vienna, and they have had a, um, a presence in the Lagamba region for approximately 15 years. Mm. So they've just done an immense amount of work in that area. And there is much locals down there now as the locals themselves. So the farmers, it's, it's very easy to work with. Oh, and yeah. they see that we want to help them. Mm. And if we can provide them with good, viable economic alternatives mm. to the way they've been doing business in the past, then there have been very open to our suggestions and working with us. So, so far the program's going great. That's great. So I wanted you to tell the story of how you finally got from the idea of Rainforest Maker to the reality of Rainforest Maker. 
Mm. <laughs> well, the reality is, uh, you know, when you have an idea for something and actually putting it into action, mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a little bit of force. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened with me, Cheryl. I had been wanting to do Rainforest Maker, uh, start this organization for many, many months, and it had just been a burning desire. But I could not find the space and the time to do it. I've been running around. I practice yoga regularly. I've got a very busy schedule. Mm-hmm. And I just could not open up the space to do it. So what ended up happening was I advertised as a, as a lawyer uh, for my law practice. And one thing that I've had for many, many years is an advertisement on the back cover of the Yellow Pages in the Boston area. So I went to my the art department there to redo my ad for the following year. Uh-huh. And I had them design my ad as it normally is, made some changes to it. Then I had them on the bottom portion of it design a ad for Rainforest Maker. Now, keep in mind that Rainforest Maker had not existed yet. <laughs> this was just an idea. Uh-huh. So, I so you were going to insert that right into your ad that's right. For your law um, practice. That's, a, that's exactly okay. it. I was okay. going to, exactly it. Well, and didn't you do something like that before? Um, no. So, so you've never had anything in your ads that had something separate? No, not okay. really. Okay. No, it al- it's always been mm-hmm. my law practice. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what I'd advertise. On my website, I had made certain donations to charity and, and encouraged people to visit different charities okay. uh, that I had an interest in, but never on my actual hard advertising itself. So when I have the artist uh, put this thing together and I've been working on it and working on it, and what's so funny is that I probably spent more time doing the artwork for the Rainforest Maker (laughs) than I did my law practice, (laughs) I finally saw the ad and I approved it. And the ad went into publication and there was no going back (laughs) at this point. So here I am advertising for my nonprofit rainforestmaker.org when the organization itself had not existed yet. Oh. So I knew <laughs> at that point I needed to step it up. Oh, I guess so. So that was the fire I needed to light under my own body to get process. things rolling. Because, you know, I have my, my reputation on the line here. I'm right. advertising something that does not exist and Uh-oh. I need to make it exist really quickly. Wow. So I went ahead and put went full gear and I think I've been in full throttle since that time. Yeah. 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 So you're not only running your law practice but you are also running this nonprofit organization and pulling together all the pieces to make something happen. And um, from what I understand, it's not, you know, setting up the administrative side of things, though that's certainly, um, you know, important. But you really have jumped in and and you are um, drawing people to you who are going to be able to help you make a difference. And you're going to be able to actually step in and get some projects going. Well, that's right. And one of the things I'm actually trying to do is integrate some of the people that I've worked with my whole life. For example, I figured what a great way to get lawyers involved. Now, when you think of lawyers and the environment, unless you're an environmental lawyer, the two don't go hand in hand. Lawyers really don't have the reputation of of being, you know, 
friends of of too many people. <laughs> they you know they've gotten a really bad rap. I have to say, but that's okay. You know we can we can change that. So one program that I started through Rainforest Maker is geared for lawyers themselves, oh, really? and that program I coined the term latte. It's an acronym for lawyers accountable to the earth. Oh, really? So what I did in my research was found out that lawyers go through 10 times more office paper than the average office worker. Oh. So you're talking 24 trees approximately every year per lawyer. And when you times that by 1 million lawyers practicing in the United States, that's 24 million trees per year just for United States lawyers, Cheryl. So my my program wants to give lawyers a good name, and I intend on getting that out. That is fascinating. And so what is it you're doing to help them do something about it? Well, what we're doing is a few different things. We, are, we have this latte program in place, Lawyers Accountable to the Earth, mm-hmm. and what we're asking lawyers to do is simply go onto the website. There's a link there on the rainforestmaker.org site. And on this link, all you have to do, we have to make this real easy for lawyers because we're very (laughs) cognizant of their time. All they have to do is just plug in how many lawyers work in their law firm. And if it's one, well, then we ask that they donate 24 trees to Rainforest Maker. And it will just automatically calculate that out and ask them to make a donation in that amount. And so then they provide a donation, and then Rainforest Maker plants the trees? That's right, in in Costa Rica. So one thing that people might ask is, well, what does using all this paper have to do with planting trees in Costa Rica? And my simple response to that is, you know, the end goal here is to have a net zero effect on the environment. I know how much paper I've burned through on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and that's another thing I had to set up in my office is that if I'm going to be leading this charge mm-hmm. and this crusade for lawyers, I need to live up to it myself. So I have only use 100% recycled paper now. Oh, great. And I, I'm hoping that I can convince other lawyers to do the same. Wow. Well, that is, I know that is just one wonderful thing you're doing with Rainforest Maker and that there is more. And um, I really, we're coming to the close of our hour, unfortunately, and so I want you to come back, Jeff, again so that you can tell us more about what's happening with Rainforest Maker and the different projects that you're engaging in. And um, and tell me again, the um, for our listeners, the website. The website, Cheryl, is Maker. Dot org, all one word. Dot org, and they can go there and learn more about how they can help and how they can actually take action and do something about doing their part on saving the rainforest. Huh? That's right. Great. Jeff, this has been great. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you so much, Cheryl. I and really appreciate you having you've me. You've definitely taught us all a lot, and you are to be commended for just making the leap. I mean, you really have taken a leadership stand and, you know, this is what I love about um, this show is I get to hear a lot about what people do in life that's making a difference for the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. So join us every Friday, 10 a.m. We're live, and the show will be repeated at 10 p.m. tonight, Pacific time, and several times throughout the week. 
And we hope to see you again next week. And remember, everybody, think big. The world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Escobedo. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and leading conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-B-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.